Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Coming at you with my co-host, Tom Lewis and Caitlin Cooper of Indie Cornrows. Caitlin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Only heard fireworks until about midnight, so was able yeah, to go to bed at a decent hour. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. I have a, in my development, I have a, I have like a lake in the middle of it, and some guy was shooting off fireworks until probably about 1:30 last night. So. Uh, <laughs> Was definitely not sleeping too much. Uh, Tom, how was, uh, how was your fourth? Well, about the same. You know, it always impresses me how much money uh, people can just blow up into the sky every year. But <laughs> they yeah, do. It's so, nonstop. Yeah, I got to keep, keep, keep you on your toes a little bit, you know. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, this is uh, – wow, this is not the pod that we wanted to, to have coming into to Monday. On July 3rd, as I'm sure you listening probably know, uh, Sham Sharani of The Athletic reported that Victor Oladipo would be sitting out the Orlando bubble. Um, and it was also later reported that he would still come to Orlando with the team. Uh, wow. Yeah. So a lot to unpack with this. I think my first question I want to ask, does this really, like, what, what does this mean? Does this mean anything? Is there anything um, subliminal to maybe take from it? And I, I kind of want to start asking you, Caitlin, you, you tweeted out on the day of, like, right when it happened about how maybe this is, you know, Kind of a, a slight sign of of how Vic views the, the team's contention ability, at least in regards to this year. Yeah, I mean, first of all, like just to back off because I had I had something else before that, but mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't criticize anybody if they didn't want to go do this for any reason, be it you know social justice, his injury risk, COVID, family considerations, whatever it is. And you know, Vic's been—I mean, he just got back from sitting out an entire year of basketball. He's only played 13 games. He's been off for four months. Like I totally understand the soft tissue issue, soft tissue risk there is very real. So I get that he doesn't want to risk coming back from injury at the same time. I initially, when I saw that first tweet, I'm glad that Tom's on the pod today because it, it took me back to when he announced <laughs> that he was going to be, um, that he was going to return on January 29th for his first game. And I remember that Tom wrote a dispatch from that heat game and, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember in there you had some stuff about Nate really didn't want to take questions about it and was directing all of it to a press conference with Victor that didn't start until like 10 minutes before the game was supposed to tip off. And there was some scrambling to get a PR message around. And that kind of felt a little bit similar to this, not that they weren't on the same page or that they weren't communicating, but that this came out through a tweet from The Athletic versus when you just had Zoom calls two days ago that you kind of could have issued some joint messaging about this. It just – something feels a little weird in the messaging. I mean, I don't know, Tom. Was, was your experience that night a little different from that? 
Yeah, no, I mean, it was very similar, and, and that was the whole thing. I mean, I thought it was great that it came out later that he's going down to Orlando, and that seems like, okay, that's good. I mean, literally, his main reason for not playing has got to be his health. He still wants to be in the mix, and, and um, not necessarily going to be demanding being moved in the last year of his deal or anything like that. But, like you say, it's the same thing where everyone was caught off guard. I mean, there's no way the Pacers knew that was coming. Um, it took them quite a while to put out their own um, response um, the other day. And, and the same thing, like you said, they just had a round of Zoom calls and everybody, you know, Pritchard and McMillan, they're all asked about Victor. And so, basically, he left them out to, hung them out to dry because they, they responded and, you know, the best they knew, and and here he he was on a Zoom call at the time as a, a Pacers media availability time didn't say a thing, and then you know right after that it comes out through the athletic and and nobody knew about it. So it it and it was the same thing <laughs> that night about the returns. Like all of a sudden, oh, Victor returning, okay, and and you could tell you know no one knew at the time, and and I think as I mentioned, you know McMillan, yeah. He, his facial expressions and <laughs> and body language tell a lot sometimes, and you can tell it's like caught off guard. He's not going to say a word more about it. He didn't want to get involved in, in anything that could be misconstrued. So um, it, it just leaves the organization looking like, oh no, they're they're being dragged around by you know the star player again here. And um, what what's what's the next thing to drop? The next thing's going to be, oh, he, he actually does want to get out of town. So that's the only natural thought process I have when, when I see this because, you know, this is <laughs> going back to Paul George and, and um, even, you know, seeing it, things bubble up with, with the star players once they get into that star level. Um, it's always a battle to, to keep them happy somehow. So, um, it, it was very reminiscent of that. So I think in the end, it, it probably won't be that big of an issue for at least a year. But but now it raises the issue that people are always going to be asking about it. And every little thing that happens is going to, um, whether it's from a, a quote from Kevin Pritchard or Nate McMillan or a quote from Oladipo, people are going to be diving into try and dissect it and find some clues about what they're thinking about. And it just uh, takes takes the uh, focus off basketball and, and, and a team that really is a team team that prides itself on being, you know, one through 12 and everybody's there to win a game on a single night and that's their only focus. So um, that that's, I think, where you'll see some frustration from the organization, but you probably won't hear about it. Right, because, I mean, just like the rundown of what happened over the last two weeks, I mean, the Indy Star reported that one person was on the bubble about not going, and that was mm-hmm. revealed to be Justin. Then a few days later, Woj has a report from Victor with a direct quote from Victor. It's not like Woj, like, scooped this necessarily. I mean, Victor <laughs> told him this, that, you know, I don't know, I need to test my knee, which, again, I completely understand that stance from his perspective. But, you know, Nate's on the Zoom call, and, like, this is a direct quote. I'm expecting Victor to go down and work out and play some five on five and go through training camp with us. Hopefully he gets in some games and gets himself ready to play. But if he feels he's not ready or we think he doesn't look right, then we'll pull him. Like that sounds like they totally intended that he was going to be flying with them to Orlando and that they were going to be testing things out. And again, like I'm not 
criticizing Victor at all. It just for two days later, what materially changed there for there to be a report in the athletic where again, Victor has direct quotes saying, you know, I'm not going to be playing. It's not like they graduated to five on five play in the facility. They're not allowed to be doing that. These are individually mandated workouts. So like, I just don't understand why there wasn't a joint message crafted there. And I mean, even when right. you know, Kevin Pritchard gives his quote where he says like, Hey, we're going to be really cautious with Victor. Like he's supporting him. But at the same time, he's saying, this is the best he's looked since March. And that, that kind of felt like a little bit, given that you're saying that publicly when everybody's going to be seeing and reading all this, that felt like a little bit of a gentle nudge, like, Hey, he's never looked better. Like, and then within two days, Victor's saying, I'm not playing. So like, I just think that the chain of communication, and I'm not saying they're completely on the wrong page or that none of this was communicated behind the scenes. Clearly it was, they consulted with doctors and whatever else, but just the way that that's being messaged in order just puts out a weird vibe headed into this. And I mean, and even in the athletic story, I think it said in there that Victor was also concerned about the bubble itself and, and some of the risks that go along with that. And then it was about an hour later after that, that, that the athletic had the tweet that he was going to be going. Cause it didn't even say in the original yeah. story that he was going to be going. So just the way it was trickling out seemed a little strange. Yeah. yeah, I assumed he wasn't going to be going. And, and also, I mean, it, it wasn't like Sham, like Sham's just kind of was talking to Victor and who maybe accidentally slipped and said he wasn't going to play. I mean, this, he went right. to him and, and gave him all the info. So that's, you know, where the disconnect is between the two parties, which is, uh, you know, tricky to watch here. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it, it was definitely just weird to see, like you were mentioning, Caitlin, because the Pacers – Pacers PR and Kevin Pritchard had talked about him going down to Orlando and they would find out there. And so uh, to have the kind of backtrack two two days later from one side is, uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think you can fault uh, Victor for not wanting to play. I think that there's a lot of viability there, especially considering, uh, you know, we had, uh, he had some re-aggravation injuries while, while coming back still in those 13 games. Um, but it's just weird. It's weird. And it reminds me a lot of, especially, you know, looking at, I mean, I'm a Cleveland boy, and I, so I grew up watching LeBron, and uh, the decision anniversary was last week. Somehow it was 10 years ago already, which makes me feel old. Um, but uh, I shouldn't be the one saying I'm old on this pod, no offense. Stop it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it just reminds me so much of LeBron's last year in Cleveland uh, a little bit. When when it starts becoming that kind of media discourse um, on, on whether or not he's leaving and you know, obviously, we've been seeing all these reports coming out from you can you can question the sources, of course, um, about reports of, you know, these teams being interested in Vic. And of course, they're interested. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I think what it what it really draws me to is uh, and, and it's kind of a rhetorical question, but uh, does this put more pressure on next season? And, and I think that I mean, I'd, I'd like to ask you both that. But I think, that, you know, immediately off the bat for me, the answer is yes. Because uh, there was already so much pressure going on to to this postseason and um, what this team would show and whether or not there is a, a real window of contention and how they can uh, widen it and actually make this team a viable contender. Um, and now this just kind of condenses everything in the next year with 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 Vicks looming free agency and that's always going to be um, on the mantle, you know, going going throughout the season. Right. I mean, I think it derails it a little bit because I mean, what are you really, what are they really going to be able to take from this now? Like, I mean, they're taking the team down there and supposedly, you know, just want to walk away with uh, from this in one piece, which, you know, again, if you don't have your best player, that's probably an admirable goal, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's an admirable goal either way, but 
um, as far as like the Turner Sabonis thing or whatever else, like, are you getting a full picture of that as much as you would have if Victor would have played? I mean, I don't know that, I mean, are they going to want to play this out clear till next season? I mean, I would think that they'll probably be talking with him about an extension again before it gets to that point. I don't know. I mean, I, he'll be eligible again in October. Obviously that already stalled, which kind of compounds this. I mean, they lowballed him a little bit depending upon what his health status is, but I mean, I don't know. I, I what, what's what's your thoughts on that, Tom? Or how do you? Uh, yeah, I, and the scary thing is, I mean, you know, they have all the other like key pieces for at least two more years. Count, mm-hmm. you know, not eliminating this year, but um, and it's kind of you know you kind of assume once they experiment big, you know, that group would be together for a while to ride. Um, and now, I mean, the other thing now is as well is what's the number going to be? Um, mm-hmm. I know um, uh, there was a you know number about the extension that he could sign right away, but I, I don't know how that's going to be set in stone. And, and you know, it, any number now is going to seem insulting to some of these guys because, you know, it's going to be nowhere near what the max guys are getting. Um, so that's going to be an issue as well. But, God, there's just so much, so much um, smoke billowing here about you know what what his future holds and and that he might want to go elsewhere um it, it's just going to be frustrating to try and go through next year unless he addresses it you know yeah i mean, I, mean it, unless, I don't think pre-agency officially begins until the player has talked about it which hasn't actually happened so right <laughs> and well another reason maybe he wants to go down the bubble to do a little uh, shopping around, but <laughs> oh no! But no, um, the but yeah, that that's the thing. It's all going to be so quick here, though. <laughs> yeah, it you know, God willing, we get through this bubble thing and they actually play, um, and then you know, it's going to be a quick quick off season, and and, and then we're going to have to know, you know, are you in or you out? What, what's going on? Um, and then you know, before you know, it, the, the trade deadline will be there. So. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be compact. It's going to come in a hurry. So um, I just I just don't feel good about the long-term prospect, though. Just too many of these things keep popping up where the player and the team are just not on the same page, and it just doesn't seem that hard to be on the same page if you're all rowing in the same direction. I mean, it's kind of interesting even, like, I don't know that I fully understand why he and Jeremy are going because, I mean, when you think about it, that, that's just going to be more tests that the NBA is going to yeah, be absolutely. using for players that aren't even going to be seeing the court. Like, I guess I presume that he's going to have access to, you know, quote-unquote safe training, and maybe he'll be getting in five-on-five. Five. I mean, I don't know. If he doesn't want to risk things, I don't know if he's going to be participating in that or not. I mean, he, he doesn't stand to lose money by going. Like, he would have sacrificed part forfeited some of his pay if he had stayed away but I I don't think I fully understand especially if they're just trying to get out in one piece why wouldn't you have wanted Victor to not go continue his rehab on his own like he has been down in Florida this season and last season and then sign a replacement player so you have an extra healthy body I mean you're already down Jeremy Lamb as it is like just to get another body to get through what this is going to be after having all these players sit out this long I mean I don't I guess for appearances sake, it, it, it shows that he's, you know, wants to be there for the team, but I don't think I fully understand why you would be taking injured players down there to the bubble. I mean, I don't think yeah. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are going. And you also have, you know, the whole traveling party is X amount. And so, um, 
I'm, I'm right. not sure who's all on the coaches and trainer and, and all that list, but um, surely there'd be at least one more person that, that might be able to help with the administrative side of things as well. Yeah, and especially when you look at when uh, when Vic was rehabbing uh, during you know, last season, bless you, uh, when Vic was rehabbing his injury last season and, and the beginning of this season, uh, if I remember correctly, wasn't he down in Orlando with his own personal trainers? He wasn't in Indiana. Um, I think he was in Miami most of that. Yeah, most yeah. of that particular time. I mean, he lives part time in Orlando, but I think where he owns as a part owner of his gym is in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly. It's just kind of uh, I don't know. I I agree with you, Kaylin. It's a uh, I think it's. I guess a good look to to be with the team, but it's it's still just kind of a weird look. Uh, and I, I don't know, just a, a lot of questions coming up with that. Um, and I, I guess we can get into a little bit now. Uh, you know, looking at, you know, I think we were coming in, you know, speaking with both of you and on, on past pods, and um, you know, this team was looking to at the least get out of the first round and, and try and see what can happen in the second round playoff. And now. Um, I, especially with the quote about just trying to get out in one piece, which, uh, that caused a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of uproar on, uh, on social media. Um, I, I don't know what, what do we even view this, this playoff as, or going to the bubble? Like how, how do we even view this? Because I, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I think uh, outside of Miami, uh, I wouldn't really be too confident in this team, uh, playing and winning a first round series. And even with Miami, that's hard. Uh, because we don't know the state of Malcolm. I mean, Malcolm, unfortunately, still has COVID-19 uh, and will be presumably in uh, in Orlando. Uh, he'll be getting down there. But, I mean, we don't know how he's going to be physically, if he's going to be, you know, capable of playing 100%. You know, it's just there's so much variability in the air, and the guard rotation is already going to be depleted because Jeremy's out uh, and Victor won't be there as well. So, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's murky. Yeah, I mean – I don't know. I'm not saying they were, would have been the favorites or not the favorites, but I think that it would have been – they would have been having a tough time with Boston, Philly, or Miami as is. I mean, they were entering into this with less than 100 minutes of playing time for their starting lineup. And um, Miami is definitely a team that's built to sink or swim from the three. I mean, that's who they are. And they don't have a lot of duality in the sense that they have shooters – who can obviously shoot and they have defenders who can defend, but they don't have a lot of shooters who can also defend. So, I mean, that's the one thing there, but there's matchup issues. I mean, the Pacers mm-hmm. had a hard time with Miles Turner guarding Bam Adebayo in those two games with his explosive first step. If you looked at the matchups, I mean, I'm sure Jimmy Butler would have been guarding Victor, not TJ Warren. And then Victor would probably would have been roaming off of Duncan Robinson, who's been arguably the best three point shooter in the NBA this year. I mean, he's top five in both attempts and three point percentage. Um, and, and the Heat just have never gone zone against the Pacers, and they run a zone where they, you know, angle towards the half court and really funnel in middle penetration, and, and Jimmy's pretty tough to be screened at the top of that, and that wasn't something the Pacers have seen, and they haven't been super strong against zone. So I'm not saying they couldn't have won that series, but I think it would have been harder than most assume. And now without mm-hmm. Victor and without Jeremy, like, yeah, they went 32-20 and 20 this season without Victor, but they had Jeremy Lamb. And those are two people that are key to their shot creation. Like in a playoff series, you need guys who are going to be able to, you know, get buckets and get into isolation. And now you're looking at mostly just Malcolm Brogdon and TJ who, you know, have been good at that too, but you're definitely lacking in that department. I actually looked before I got on here and if you sub out Jeremy and Victor and like, just put Aaron in that two spot, 
they've the Pacers have played 93 minutes total with that lineup and they're plus two so not great with if you put in McConnell in that spot they've played a grand total of 16 minutes with that lineup Jeez. and if you put Justin in that spot they've played 19 minutes so I mean Nate McMillan's going to be in a pretty tough position here. Like they're either going to yeah. be completely uprooting the second unit or they're going to be playing starting lineups that aren't experienced playing together and are going to create some matchup issues where you're, you're like I said, you're going to be lacking in, in isolation scoring that is kind of critical in a playoff series. Yeah, they're going to be mixing and matching. I mean, I'm, I was kind of surprised they were having three uh, practice games <laughs> before those eight games, but um, I mean – I guess they can't play enough to try and mix and match and find something that might work here. Um, I, I, obviously, Brogdon is a big big variable there. I'm assuming he won't play those three practice games and um, hopefully we'll be ready by the middle of the season games, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, that you know that last game they, they played against them, um, you know, they had the backcourt of Aaron Hall there and Jeremy Lamb playing. Uh, as a starter, so um, they definitely need uh, it, it. The team is so much better when TJ Warren is like the third or fourth option, yeah. as opposed to the second. Um, and you know, Sabonis is going to going to do his thing, but that that Turner at a Bayou matchup uh, is is always going to be dicey when when they got guys around there shooting the threes like they do. So I still feel like probably Miami would be the best matchup just because of lack of experience and you know if if somehow they can replicate playoff intensity with no fans um you know it's a different game completely so you know you never know how uh, a guy like Duncan Robinson's going to react the first time he's in in that type of a situation but I imagine it'd be a little easier when there's when there's not uh, a rock and field house that he has to play through Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Continuing off of this season, I guess, um, how do we think this might impact the way the front office handles the off season or like mini season, I guess. I don't know. It's not even really an off season. It's kind of wild to think about, but I don't know. I feel like this definitely could, uh, could have a pretty significant impact on how the front office handles this off season. I mean, it's going to be so quick. There's going to be such a tight window for free agency to actually be taking place or to, you know, to negotiate a trade. I mean, just selfishly, I would kind of be interested to know, like, if Victor felt like this was a team that could have somehow messed around and made the Eastern Conference Finals like I had in that tweet, like, would he have been a little bit more willing to take the chance and play? And maybe his answer to that would have been no. Maybe he would have said, you know, no, I, I want to be 100% for next year, and I think this team will be the best when I'm at my best. Maybe that's the case. Um, but I think you kind of need to know what his perspective on where the team is going into the year. But yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's the that's the biggest thing. Again, it comes back to communication. And you know, <laughs> well, big boys, let's lay the cards out on the table so um, you know we can we can all make the best of the situation. But 
that never seemed to happen. Everyone's, I guess, angling for leverage on some end of it. So, um, but you're right. You know, the ideal situation Caitlin just mentioned, you know, he's resting, wants to be healthy because he knows he'll be the best when he's as healthy as can be. And then they can go at it and see how it, how it plays out. Um, you know, I could live with that. Um, but again, it puts a organization in a bind because, you know, are they going to want to go make another move or do something to try and improve, maybe actually spin up towards the, you know, tax um, to do something, which is going to be difficult anyways. And then they still lose Vic, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, they might consider that a wasted move, a wasted money. So, um, Right, I mean it, – the, the Turner-Sabonis situation is interesting because, I mean, it'll really yep. depend how the playoff series situation looks because I didn't really expect there to be any any traction with any of that in February because Goga just, you know, quite frankly doesn't – didn't look ready to step up this year in any way, shape, or form and be having, like, a normal playoff rotation role as a backup center. Like, that just didn't really seem feasible to me. But, I mean, if you can look back at it, like, last year, even without Victor playing – that, that pairing did not go well, like, or as well as it should have when you're out there against Aaron Baines and, and Al Horford. Like, those minutes were rather, <laughs> those minutes were rather disastrous. So I will say that if you go into it this year and, and you can look at just that pairing and you're seeing similar issues to what that was, and I'm not saying they will, like I have no idea how this is going to look, I was of the opinion that if they go in and they can't get out of the first round again and that's looking dicey, that they're they're at least going to be listening to calls. Because I don't think you yeah. can go into it with Victor and be like, hey, we're going to run this all back exactly the way that it is. And, I mean, but again, like you said, it's it's there's not going to be a lot of time or opportunity to be doing any of this because this is all such a weird timeline and situation. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe another Monte Ellis contract comes up. Um, <laughs> we can only hope not. Oh God! Uh, sorry, I was saving that for like five minutes. It's it's tough because especially looking at you know the idea of uh, of a trade or anything, um, it's like Tom was speaking on earlier with Paul George. I mean, it's so it feels it feels like that. And obviously, I was a little bit younger back then, so I wasn't as involved with it as I am now. But um, here we go. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I just got to heap it on every time, Tom. You know, I'll never, let, never let you forget. Um, but no, it's just, uh, I don't know. I think this team is assembled so differently from that team, though. So I'm not really as worried about the, like, obviously there are some pieces that could move uh, to try and make more sense right. of things. I, don't, I think it's less of a talent issue, more of just a fit and finding um, finding the way that it can fit together to be more competitive. Um but, you know, just looking at uh, – I think there's – with the way that the front office has handled things too, I do have uh, – I'm not trying to call out, you know, Kevin Pritchard or something, but I do have questions about um, how the front office views the team as well because, you know, especially when I was reading through – first of all, your piece on uh, on the young players and Goga's screening was phenomenal, Caitlin. I love oh, that. Thanks. And a lot of my friends actually were talking about that. Um, I have a group chat with a couple of other guys who, uh, who write for SB Nation, and they always like – they always tweet me in there, and they're like – God, you're so lucky to work with Taylor. Her articles are insane. <laughs> and, uh, but I, you know, I was thinking about Gogan. Gogan, obviously, he, he shows a lot of potential and uh, he mm-hmm. had a good year in the G League. Uh, I was going through some of his G League uh, film the other day and he, he was looking great down there, but obviously he's not flashed at the NBA level too much. Um, and, you know, like, I don't know what your guys' opinions were um, when, when he was drafted, but it seemed very clear last year um, that drafting Gogan was weird. Like it made, you know, obviously super talented guy 
has a lot of potential, but you know, somebody who could have been an immediate fit that would have helped raise the the ceiling or the floor of the team right away um, for this current window. Like, you know, a guy like Brandon Clark, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty because Brandon Clark had a great rookie year. Um, but it was pretty well noted going into the draft. Brandon Clark is a guy who can play defense, do quite a bit on offense and could be an immediate, you know, stopgap as a bench guy playing the four, which is exactly what the Pacers needed. And so I don't know, that's something that, I've thought a little bit about too and just wondered on how, you know, kind of the way the team's been orchestrated on, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but yeah, the, I don't know if that makes sense at all. No, Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, I still, I like Goga's overall potential. And like you said, when you watch the G league games and it's not just because the G league is a smaller, or a slower league, his degree mm-hmm. of confidence that he plays with and how much right. more aggressive he is rather than being timid and kind of the game happening to him is like night and day. I mean, I think he's even addressed this, that the team has told him that. So I don't know, maybe with more rhythm and, and more opportunity. I mean, he didn't have a summer league last year headed into the season to really get adjusted to anything. And his minutes have been all over the place. Like, I mean, the Pacers said at the time that they thought he was the best player available, and, and I tend to lean into that with the draft. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's was what approach I would take. But I kind of, at the time, the optics of the pick really read to me like, hey, we think this center is going to be really good, and if we get another center who's on a rookie contract, we can flip one of the other two centers that we already have and potentially address that four spot that you're talking about in that way. Like, I don't have actual sourcing on this, but that's just how it read in the moment that it happened. Like, I don't know that they necessarily intended on, oh, we're going to have, you know, we grow centers here, and we're going to have three (laughs) centers that we don't have minutes to play, and yeah, there's no doubt that the first thing everyone thought was, you know, oh, there goes Miles or Domas, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from a talent standpoint, you know, Goga is so young, but the idea that, you know, even between uh, bonus and Turner, I mean, he could develop into much more of a, a guy who can step out and stretch the floor easier. I mean, he shoots it easy, um, you know, but again, it's that, confidence and and being able to get the the reps at, at the highest level that um that confidence can be uh, that he can bring that to bear with with you know results and and then again as caitlin pointed out in that piece you know there's a lot of little things he's got to figure out um how to play um you know pick and roll and, and you know obviously defensively he, he's you know running around there sometimes um you just got to figure things out and um get to a point where he's not, you know, you can tell sometimes he's just thinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what am I supposed yeah. to be? What am I supposed to do? You know, and, and there, that's no way to play and, and play up to your fullest potential. So, you know, you got to assume that'll come because um, he does have, you know, even though he's so young, he's got experience playing. Um, so, you know, once that, that side of it slows down a little for him, I still think, you know, he's somebody that, you know, the team thinks they're going to be able to rely on going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just on a, oh, sorry. No, you're good. What were you saying? Just like on a side note, I just, I think for a long time, depending upon how all this plays out, which in some degree hindsight's 2020, but in my defense, I did say this a year ago that I just wish that this entire timeline would have been moved up by a year. Like we knew as soon as, as soon as Sabonis, um, was traded here you could see his potential and that eventually he was going to want a bigger role whether that was here or somewhere else that he was going to be in the starting lineup so I don't really understand why two years ago two seasons ago um, that they didn't like look at Thad who by all accounts is a is a team first guy and say like hey 
we need to get a look at this, especially after Victor ruptured his quad and said like, hey, we need to get a look at this. We need to see how these two guys function in the starting lineup against starting caliber talent and start getting a handle on that then so that when you're headed into the final year of Vic's contract and now he's not playing in a second consecutive playoffs, you would have more data points and information on that than, than what they had. Because even last year, I, me- I referenced that that wasn't great against Al Horford and Aaron Baines, but the truth of the matter was all year last year, they weren't running stuff for those two players. They weren't tailoring those minutes for them. It was just a means to get Sabonis minutes. So it wasn't like they really planned for that headed into the year. And I just, I just feel like they've been a little bit delayed and moving to, you know, and, and maybe all this time, maybe they feel really confident that they're going to re-sign Victor and all this will be a moot point. But um, as we saw with Paul George and with a lot of other free agency, free agents across the NBA, free agency is starting earlier. You start being on the clock a yeah. year, a year before the final year. So, I mean, I just wish there was a more clear picture with all of it in general than what I feel like is going to be the case after whatever this turns out to be in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, and just kind of, you know, one last thing for, I, I want to try and, uh, you know, talk about some more positive stuff and what we might see, uh, in Orlando from the young guys that could be exciting. Um, but you know, just, it, it, I, I totally want to come out and say that I think Victor, uh, he's doing what's right for him. I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, it's the way it's happened has been weird, but regardless, I mean, it's not an injury you want to mess around with. And if he's at his healthiest next season, I think that's all we can really hope for. Um, just try and 100% take percent on all so. counts. I agree with all of that. So. Yeah, yeah. And also real quick, I mean, mm-hmm. he will have maximum incentive to play at an yeah, extremely exactly. high level next year because he has not looked good for you know, basically two years. And even, even before that bad injury, I mean, he was kind of having a little knee issues and wasn't, uh, didn't yeah, seem to be playing at the same level, and now you know what we saw from him last year. He, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't the old Vic. So I mean, you know, the old contract year thing is almost double time for him because if he wants to, you know, get some max offer from someone other than the Pacers, or even from the Pacers, um, yeah, show that you know he's still capable of doing that. So yeah, I did. Yeah, one, you know, now I have another one last thing off that. You know, since it's a contract <laughs> year, maybe we bring Larry Bird back and Victor Oladipo is the four we've been looking for. Um, that could, could be exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he speaking- doesn't call the shots around here. <laughs> yeah, <come on. laughs> hey, I mean, you know, we can only hope. Uh, maybe Victor would handle a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> looking at uh, just some positivity, because uh, we need a little bit of it. Uh, I'm really excited for Aaron Holiday in the bubble. Um, I think that this is a huge opportunity for him, especially because, you know, like, like we talked about, we're not sure on, on how, how long it'll take for Malcolm to be back and, and ready to play. Um, and obviously with Jeremy and Victor out, that, that pretty much eschews uh, Aaron Holiday right into the starting lineup. So uh, I think there's a lot of potential for him to, to kind of grow into a role. And he's, he's going to get opportunities. He's not going to be getting pulled because who is he getting pulled for? Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely very excited about what he could potentially do in the bubble and finally show um, whether or not it was worth it for the Pacers to to not trade him at the trade deadline when there was some traction. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the thing with Aaron was, too, that, I mean, Justin has been pretty outright in saying that a big part of the reason why he signed with the Pacers was because he had a desire to play with his younger brother. And, you know, walking that delicate line, because I think Justin's been a very 
um, important role player for the Pacers in a lot of ways. So if you're headed into an offseason when he's a free agent and you don't have his bird rights, I don't think, uh, you definitely want to keep Justin on your good side, I think. And not that Aaron's been bad, but I think, like I wrote in that piece, he, ha- he can have high highs and low lows. And like you said, I, yeah. I look forward to seeing him you know, without fear of getting yanked out of the game, what can he do in more minutes? Like, I don't want to see him reverting to some of the stuff that he does in summer league where, you know, he's getting off like a five of 20 box score and we're not really getting to see him work on the thing that is he needs to work on most, which is his reads and his set of the table for other guys. Like hopefully we'll get to see him run some more one and spots because while I think it's been good for him to be have some of his decision-making restrained at the two with TJ off the bench, I don't think that's ultimately where he tracks long-term because of mm-hmm. mismatches and size stuff. So I'd like to see him, if, if they're truly just trying to get out of this in one piece, as we've said, then I'd like to see him try to work on some of the stuff that's holding him back a little bit. And I also appreciate that um, one of the long-term debates of, you know, Aaron versus TJ is now completely moot because the answer is undeniably both. Like, we're going <laughs> to be playing them both. We don't need to have that conversation anymore. Absolutely. And the other thing with uh, Aaron, I think one thing that makes me hopeful about this bubble time, I guess, is, um, you know, he's had so much time off and almost like he's going into another new season here. So, you know, he, he's probably had plenty of time to review and, and work on things that that were holding him back a little bit, uh, you know, in his playing time earlier in the year. So, he's, you know, that we give him an opportunity to show some growth, even though it's just, we're still in the same season here, which would be a big thing for his, his role with the team. And I, I, I agree with Caitlin. I mean, he's so bouncy and, and really he can, you know, for, despite his size, he can really create for himself, you know, at will, really, or, or just pull a quick shot. Um, but he hasn't been as productive doing that, and that's led to those um, some of those ugly numbers that have had him in and out of the lineup. So I think it decision-making on not only setting up the rest of his team and, and running things, but also, you know, when to take his – his um, opportunities and, and when to know, like, you know, I got to go now, I'm just going to cook or, you know, I got to start getting other guys involved. You know, it's a, that overall decision-making, I agree, is going to be key to his success, but definitely something to look forward to watching here um, at the end of the month. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, but what else are we looking forward to, you know, and when the, when the bubble starts up? Well, I mean, to be honest, some of my interest has waned. Like, just the, yeah. so if I didn't really, really love basketball, like just seeing all of the case numbers mounting and knowing everything else that's going on, it, it's kind of hard to stay completely focused on this. And especially, like, now you know Victor's out, you know sort of what internally the team is, is viewing this as. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you look towards, you know, like, I mean – I didn't intend for my piece to be timely, but it turned out to be pretty timely. <laughs> timely. Like yeah. I think, like I think Aaron, I think I'd like to see Edmund <laughs> Sumner out there. I want to, I, yeah. I enjoy watching Edmund Sumner. I think he can be really electric. Like, let's see what, how the math problem works out with him. Like does his shooting impact his ability to stay on the floor? Are they really getting stops and getting out in transition? And maybe he's even running some pick and rolls. We've seen some of that with him this year. Like I, I look forward to seeing him. 
and and hopefully they can find time for that if, if that's how they're going to be viewing like especially during the seeding games if seeding is decided like I mean there's not as much incentive to push up the rankings now especially because there's no home court advantage so I look at some of those guys definitely yeah Tom. I'm also looking looking forward to seeing what Miles Turner picks up because he was true kind of it kind of felt like he was he was uh, getting a groove. Uh, going there, even though you know nothing really changed. With right, his role he, or, he was in a in a gym uh, filming stuff, and you know how these like summertime oh, videos yeah. are completely informative. <laughs> <Yep>. But um, <laughs> he was facing up and using some two dribble moves. So I, I'm here for yeah. face up Miles. So if face up Miles go. makes an appearance, yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah. yeah oh I'm my thinking. god, I'd love that. So yeah, so that was that was one thing I thought, you know, because I really felt like oh, he got cut off right when when he was really kind of finding a way to bring more impact, especially offensively, which you know they they needed. So um, yeah, that and then uh, just seeing who who can rise up off of that bench and maybe like Edmund Sumner or somebody like that, you know. Expanding the role and making the presence felt would be very nice. Yeah. Oh, and TJ Warren in the playoffs. Like, that should have been my first thing. Like, TJ Warren's apparently chomping at the sure. bit to be able to be in a playoff series. Like, I mean, before Victor got hurt, I was kind of looking at him in a Miami Heat series and thinking, like, you know, he'll probably be the guy defending Jimmy Butler. And then mm-hmm. at the other end, Duncan Robinson would probably be the guy defending him. So, like, that's a big right. role on both ends of the floor to be attacking that matchup and defending Jimmy. So, I mean, that will shift a little bit now that Victor's out, but I, yeah, I, I was remiss. TJ Warren, I think moves up my rankings close to the top of, of what to, to watch for here. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm really excited about him. Obviously I just, I, I just put out a piece right. about him. So of course I'm excited about him, but um, I don't know, just in watching his game, I think that there's still uh, obviously he's going to be 27 next year. But he's still got, I think, another level to go to. His, his defense improved so much this year. Um, I think maybe a little bit more of, of self-creation. I think, you know, going back and watching his game, uh, he's been a lot more of a play fish, finisher than an initiator than I thought, you know, watching through the season. Um, so we'll see kind of some more opportunity for him to initiate with, uh, with, with Victor out and Malcolm out for a little bit too. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll be awesome. And I'm, I'm here for a, a, a Heat Pacers series just so I can watch TJ and Jimmy go at it for an entire series. That'll be great. Absolutely. Well, uh, so so before we get everybody out of here, what are you guys working on right now uh, heading out of the weekend? Oh, dear. Well, uh, I have a piece that's waiting in the wings that I'll just say um, in a tease. <laughs> <laughs> in a tease, Careful. I – yeah, I personally never write uh, draft coverage. Tom knows this. Like, I just – I don't watch <laughs> college basketball. Like, I just – I don't have an interest in doing scouting reports. But in the very near future, I will be joining the ranks of draft Twitter. And oh, no. I just hope that everyone does not resent me for the take that I have on this extremely random um, – let's call it a recruit. Ooh. All right, cool. Exciting. What are you working on, Tom? Uh, well, I'm just – following up on the daily news here with uh, everything is, you know, the team's getting ready to leave this week. So um, whenever we get news um, of the team landing and everybody made it and everybody's in the bubble and if they can get in the bubble without any positive tests, that's going to be noteworthy. So this is an odd time we're living in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Very, very odd. 
All right. Awesome. Well, uh, guys, thank you for coming on. Uh, and to everyone listening, uh, please go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. Uh, send us any questions, comments, or feedback. Check out our articles at ndcornrows.com. I hope you had a great fourth and uh, you're gearing up for a great work week. Have a rest of your day.